eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Moving into the decision to not kick a field goal or to not go for it. Well, fourth and two, you're talking about at the end. You know, so we had just missed from the 36. The ball was really in the same position. It was plus two, I think, where it was. We were going the opposite direction. It was rolling around. What I didn't want to do, we were up by three, a little bit different than the scenario last week. And it was a fourth and two. It wasn't a fourth and one. So uh, I thought we were going to have to throw the ball uh, to make that happen. Uh, we had gone for a third and four the series before, really kind of almost the same spot in the field and didn't convert. So um, I wasn't going to go fourth and two. If we didn't convert, turn the ball over and give it to them. 35 with the usual momentum dealt by three. It just I think everybody that talks about going for it, right, they're thinking about, you know, they're getting it, right? They don't think about what happens if you don't get it. I'm trying to win a game, right, not lose a game. And... I know that sounds silly because we just lost it, but, but it, it, it's the decision that I would make a hundred times over to go for it, pin it, put the ball in the five, a defense that's been playing that way the whole way, uh, I'd do it a hundred times over. I don't know if I could write up two more excruciating ways to lose back-to-back games than we have just seen. I'm Jeremy Warner, Alana Enquirer publisher, live in West Lafayette. I am sitting uh, atop ross Stadium where we just witnessed yet another painful Illinois blown late lead where the offense yet again struggles to put any points on the board. The defense yet again late in the game uh, has its worst defensive drive uh, of the game in the final moments, but you can't put much on the defense today again because of a great performance overall. Uh, But this time, especially another time, you can question Brett Bielema And yes, being conservative late in the game uh, and putting the ball back in his opponent's hands, giving them the chance uh, to take the lead. I'm flying solo today. Joey Wagner is at a wedding, and kudos to him for picking this week uh, to do that. But boy, we have a lot to get into, and there's a lot that we can talk about. There's some foundation pieces that I think Illinois feels good about for the long term uh, with these back-to-back games where it feels like, you know, one side of the ball and one player on offense has done extremely well for you, but then the offense has just been putrid. The passing game has just been putrid. And then when you get in these one-possession games, you're really counting on your coaching staff to make these key decisions that go your way. And whether Brett Bielma has the analytics behind him for certain ones and maybe not for others, um, he has had two decisions that unquestionably – have backfired for him. Last week, fourth and one uh, at the Maryland 40-yard line, a chance to eat away the game if you convert on fourth and one. 
to be honest with you, I would have done the same thing he did with a seven-point lead, with the way your offense had been struggling, with Josh McCray out, with Chase Brown out, with Doug Kramer out. I was on the sideline, and in my mind, I don't study the game like Brett Bielema, but I would have punted at that point because I think your defense at least had a chance, and the worst thing that can happen is Maryland scores, and it's a tie game. And then your offense might have another chance to win the game, right, or you go to overtime. Well, I, I don't envision, and Brett Bielema doesn't envision his offense just imploding and you know Maryland getting the ball back with a couple seconds left and, and kicking a game-winning field goal. So uh, everything that could go wrong with that, wrong for that one. Today, though, you have a decision under the microscope where Bielema is getting deserved criticism. We followed up and asked many questions about it uh, after the game, including myself with a couple follow-up questions. But here's what you had. You had fourth and you know two uh, midway through the fourth quarter. You have a three-point lead, and Purdue's offense had not been playing well. They changed quarterbacks. Aiden O'Connell throwing two straight interceptions, one in the end zone, uh, one midfield. So you're feeling pretty good about your defense. You do have a great punter, and, and kudos to Blake Hayes. Uh, he ended up you know nailing Purdue down uh, at the four six yard line excuse me and Purdue gets the ball back though with 926 left so let's consider the options Brett Bielma could have had it was fourth and two and it was all of two yards and you got Josh McCray playing well uh, your offensive line I thought played really well today for the most part um, and you just feel like man we can go win this game in the worst case scenario right you lose a yard uh, or you get nothing, and Purdue takes over at the 34. They still have to drive it, you know, 66 yards to get into the end zone. That one, yeah, I can understand maybe you don't do. I thought Brett Bielman was going to kick a field goal. He actually sent his offense out on the field. Blake Gerasati had a false start, but Brett Bielman called timeout before then. And that timeout ended up being a pretty big play because uh, Illinois had no chance to, to stop the clock when Purdue got the ball back or when they had the ball. Um, so you could have gone for it, and I think a lot of fans want to be aggressive because it's a one in three year. What do you, winning the game? Um, there's so much upside to that for Illinois for getting a win, going into Charlotte next week at Illinois, and having a chance to be 500, right? And getting some momentum, getting some good feelings, you know, selling that and recruiting. Um, but if you punt it and Purdue takes the lead or ties it. There's so much downside to that. So I think Illinois fans just want to be on the side of aggression. I would have been on the side of aggression of using your kicker, James McCord, who was three of four uh, from the day, had made so many 50-yard field goals uh, in his career. He's the career leader from Illinois and had hit from 51 uh, in the second quarter. But he missed from 54 uh, earlier in the half, going the other way, but he missed from four, 54 yards Brett Bielema decides not to kick it with McCord, even though McCord had made a 45-yarder going the same way in the fourth quarter. He was set up for, what, a 49 – or a 51-yarder, excuse me. Uh, and I know the wind was swirling a little bit today, but if you're going to trust Blake Hayes, I, I'd also trust James McCord, who I think has, has deserved that. Uh, and, again, the worst-case scenario is Purdue takes the ball at the 34-yard the line. So I just thought – get some points on the board. And I feel like James McCourt, 60-plus percent chance at these 50 harders of, of him getting them. Uh, I'd have to look that up, but I, I think that's pretty close. It feels like he's 50-plus percent. Uh, I like those odds, and then Purdue has to score a touchdown. And even if they do, you get the ball back with enough time to get back in James McCourt territory. And that ended up being the case.
right? You had a chance. Illinois' offense it dri- drove down the field. Peters made some really good throws late in the game, including to Pat Bryant, uh, one to Casey Washington, and Josh McCray gets inside the red zone. And you're thinking, wow, if Illinois had kicked a field goal, even if they would have given up this touchdown, they would have a chance to win the game with a chip shot field goal for James McCourt. Instead, they had to find the end zone, and this team has struggled all year from the red zone, and Brandon Peters throws four straight incomplete passes. That's the game. I don't get the decision for Brett Bielma. I, I, I don't get the decision not to be somewhat aggressive with the field goal or just aggressive because I think fans um, are – and I know they're not concerned as much about fans when you're in the first year of a six-year contract, but I also think your defense and your offense – um, got to be sitting there. You know, the defense did its job all day, and I know they broke at the end, but they won't say it after the game. Kirby Joseph and Sidney Brown were the two defenders we got after the game, and, you know, they said the right things. Hey, we just got to make a play. We got to be better. We got to be more perfect. And, and even Sidney said at one point, maybe we got to score. Maybe that's what we have to do. Uh, you feel bad for those guys. Ryan Walters and his defense have played well enough to win the last couple weeks, but as an offense, Brett Buma showing no confidence in them. Not that they deserve any confidence, right? But also James McCord, not showing any confidence in him. And at some point, you know, I know you want tough, smart, dependable, but you also want aggressive. You also want confident. And I wonder what a, a, a James McCord field goal or a win today, if he would have made two in the final, three field goals in the final uh, fourth quarter, if he would have had the chance. Um, but also, if you just convert on fourth and two this week or fourth and one last week, what's that do for you? What's that do for you as a team? And I asked Brett after the game, one of my last questions about it uh, was, you know, how do you as a coach, you know, you've made two decisions that you say you do over again, but how do you evaluate all, all of that? And he said, you know, we got to go back. We got to learn. We got to do all these things. I just think Brett Bielma, you, you got to own this one a, a little bit, right? I mean, you're the head coach and you didn't make the decisions the last couple of weeks that, that got your team to a win. I think last week was a little bit more defensible. In the moment, I agreed with his decision to punt last week. Up a touchdown, five minutes left. Your defense playing well. You're thinking worst-case scenario that Maryland's going to tie the game. This week, uh, I just thought there was more downside to doing what he did than upside. Of course, it's easy in hindsight, but I, even in the moment this week, uh, I was questioning. I just, I just didn't understand it. So that covers that decision. I never agreed with it. Um, and obviously, the decision obviously backfired on um, Brett Bielema. Um, and you know, he goes into all the analytics, and he said you know, his, it was his decision. His other coaches had some, some opinions about it. And, and obviously, you know, the players or his, his coaches are going to come out and, and, and go against him. But uh, the honeymoon's over with Brett Bielema uh, after that call. All right, when we come back, let's break down more of this game because it wasn't just that play call that led to this loss. Let's talk about a defense that's made big strides, an exciting offensive player for Illinois, but also some huge issues on that side of the ball. That's next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All right. When I was writing my quick hits, which I was so late for this, it wasn't quick hits today um, because of everything that happened at the end of the game. I had to change my story and I had to go interview and I wanted to make sure I was focused on all of that stuff. But when I originally did my star of the game, I eventually made it Josh McCray, um, who's been great. We'll talk about him. But I had Ryan Walters. Um, the defense has flipped a switch the last couple weeks. Yes, Purdue ended up with 277 yards. Yes, Purdue at the end was able to dice up the secondary with their backup quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, who threw two picks but, but led that great 94-yard uh, drive for them. Um, and I know Purdue was out David Bell. They were without uh, Xander Horvath. They are without Marshawn Rice. But the last two weeks uh, has been a completely different defense. They have played winning football. They have deserved to win. And Ryan Walters has made schematic changes to his defense. Uh, he's been very aggressive, uh, showing blitzes, uh, but then you know only rushing three and still getting great pressure off it, dropping eight in the coverage, and really just keeping things in front of them. It's kind of the Lovey Smith bend but don't break, but they've been very, very successful at it. And, and Purdue's running game is not very good, but Illinois held Purdue to 38 yards on 26 carries. They held Maryland to two and a half yards per carry, I believe it was last week. And of course, Purdue was you know, nickel and diming Illinois for most of the game before that last drive where they got the, these big, big chunk plays. Um, and I wasn't very impressed with Purdue, uh, particularly, especially without David Bell. But uh, Ryan Walters' crew has played well. Uh, they are improving, and it feels like he's putting his personnel in the right place. I think Seth Coleman was disruptive today. Johnny Newton played another good game in a row. Even Isaiah Gay, who's replacing the starting lineup, made a big play. Tony Adams, who was replacing the starting lineup last week, returned this week without Devin Witherspoon, uh, had a big interception. He was very fortunate, just kind of went into his hands after tipping off the tight end. Um, but those guys made plays. Today, Jake Hansen was here, but uh, wasn't able to go because of an injury that we didn't know about. Tariq Barnes and Kalon Tolson played really well. I thought they played well in coverage. Uh, I thought they played well pass rushing wise. Barnes had a big sack, uh, and I thought they tackled extremely well. Uh, and then the safety play. This is the best safety play in this game that I think we've seen in a long time. Now I know they got beat deep once uh, before O'Connell uh, threw the interception. Obviously late in the game, I'll have to go back and, and watch some of that film. But Sidney Brown was laying hits 
and, and broke up a pass and legal hits, was hitting guys hard. Uh, that's what you want to see from your strong safety. And then Kirby Joseph, in his fourth year, you know, kind of a third stringer throughout most of his career, got some starts early, got some playing time, forcing the action at times with injuries. He's become one of the best playmakers in the defense. I think he's forced three turnovers. He's got three takeaways in the last three weeks. Interception today in the end zone. Huge moment in this game that should have flipped this, right? And Illinois did take the lead after that interception. Um, I think Owen Carney's played well the last couple weeks, kind of coming along, two, two sacks, but I think he's been consistently disruptive. I think Roderick Perry is playing some of his best football. So all of that coming together feels like, man, like they are starting to play winning football. I think Ryan Walters has made the changes to his defense. He's learned what his team can do and probably most importantly what it can't do and how he has to scheme around that. I just think he's been aggressive, uh, but also keeping things in front of him. I just think he's found the right mix. So I've been very impressed with Ryan Walters uh, so far since I've known him and since I've talked to him. And also what we're seeing on the field right now, I think is very encouraging of what we're seeing from him. Uh, special teams did a job today. Uh, I know James Court missed a field goal for 54 yards. You're not going to hate a guy for that, but he and Blake Hayes were fantastic today. Uh, Hayes, 291 yards punting, had the 80-yarder. Uh, you don't want it to go in the end zone, but you know, you're still going to net a 60. Four inside the 20, two inside, two of 50 plus yards. Uh, fantastic for him. But let's get to the offense. One positive, right? Well, I go two positives. I thought the the offensive line blocked pretty well. I think we got to understand with this offensive line, guys, that they are facing boxes of seven and eight. Like Illinois is putting up Pat Bryant and Carlos Sandy, and kudos to my colleague uh, from the News Gazette, Scott Ritchie, for pointing this out. Early on, it was apparent. Every time those guys were on the field, Illinois was running the ball. That Illinois was consistently able to run the ball, right? Uh, at least after the first quarter, 175 yards rushing. So I thought the offensive line did some nice things. The tight ends, Tip, Tip Ryman, getting a lot of playing time today, along with uh, Luke Ford because they were running the ball. Uh, but Josh McCray, what a revelation he is. 156 yards. And I'm going to look this up because I didn't see it during the game uh, from our guys at Illini Stats, the Illinois sports information that does this. Um, I, I don't see any updates on Josh McCray and what that game was historically but Josh McCray 156 yards rushing on 24 attempts against loaded boxes we knew he was a big back and could break tackles and that is certainly showing he looks like a man he's 18 years old maybe 19 but he's a freshman true freshman right and he's breaking tackles of, of guys two three years older than him four years older than him and he churns his legs and he keeps moving. He can spin off tackles, all these things. Really impressive. Uh, he's going to be a lead back. I mean, he is a lead back right now for Illinois. And I think Illinois has got two of them with Chase Brown, who didn't play today because uh, of injury. Uh, I think they got two great running backs. Uh, but also with Josh McCray, he's got vision. He sees the hole and he's got explosiveness to get to that hole. Like, he seems more explosive than. Some of the guys coming into the season that, that we're pretty excited about, whether it's Mike Epstein or Reggie Love or Chase Hayden, he's got some more explosive. He's, he's not as explosive as Chase Brown to a hole, but he finds a way to get there. And then he's not going to run away from a lot of people, but he can get chunk yards. Uh, four carries today of 10-plus of yards, that long 38-yarder uh, to set up the go-ahead field goal. Um, really impressed. How can you not be? He, he just reminds you of the – 
the John Clay, Monte Ball kind of running backs that Brett Bielma loved. So they found a guy there, right? They found a guy there. And maybe one more, Pat Bryant. Three catches, 25 yards, blocked pretty well for a freshman. I think it's really interesting. He's playing over Brian Hightower and Jafar Armstrong, two former highly ranked prospects, played at Miami and Notre Dame respectively. Uh, Hightower tied for the team lead in touchdowns. Um, you know, those guys getting playing time over, over you know, you know, Pat Bryant getting playing time over those guys is, is really interesting. But he, he came up with some big catches late in the game. Just the quarterback and the passing game continue to be an issue. Brandon Peters, I thought at halftime, could have been benched. Probably deserved to be benched. Uh, he was not. He was not benched. He was four of eight at halftime. Um, Illinois, almost all the way through the first at one point, midway through the second quarter, it was two of five passing for two yards. On 28 dropbacks today, so 28 dropbacks. Brandon Peters had 26 attempts. Uh, he took two sacks. So on those 28 attempts, 100 yards. 100 yards. That's less than four yards per pass play. So I think Ono's running attack is good. I do. I, I think it's good. Solid if you go in the Big Ten. Right, especially when Chase McCray or Chase uh, Brown is healthy and Josh McCray is healthy, I think they got a running attack that that can bother people, and it has the last couple of weeks. I think it's kind of handicapped because no one has to respect the passing game. And listen, Brandon Peters had a couple good drives, but wasn't able to finish them, and he just hasn't been able. You know, and the wide receivers for him aren't very good. The offensive line has struggled at times to pass block. I thought they did a really good job on Carl Loftus uh, for most of the game outside of that strip sack, but I thought the strip sack was on Peters. He just seemed to be moving in slow motion. His mental clock is just – someone I saw tweeted this out, so I don't want to say it was my idea, but it's like he's on dial-up internet a little bit, right? He's hearing that AOL signal. <laughs> he's struggling to connect and, and struggling to make those decisions with quick processing. Illinois needs a – I don't even know if you need a 5G quarterback at this time. You need a 3G one. You need a guy who can process, make quick decisions, understanding his receivers aren't getting open, right? Understanding he doesn't have a lot of options to go to right now. But late in the game, his clock was sped up, right? That, that five-minute drive towards the end. He's making quick decisions. He's getting the ball to Casey Washington on this out or, or Pat Bryant. He's making completions, and you're starting to see, like, okay, he's in a rhythm. He's in a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, Tony Peterson, I thought early in the, the third quarter, I thought called some plays that got him out, moving, running, couple options, and if it's not there, you know, don't take it. I'd like to see Brandon Peters run more when it's not there. Um, that's worked pretty well for him, but uh, he has not gotten going in the offensive game whatsoever. I don't think Art Sikowski is is more talented than Brandon Peters. Um, I understand Brandon Peters probably has a higher ceiling, but. I do think you got to consider, like, is, is Brandon Peters giving us enough life right here, giving us enough juice? Um, is he making decisions quick enough? Is he confident? I don't know those things because we haven't been able to talk to Brandon Peters in two weeks. Usually we talk to the quarterbacks, even after losses. And one of the things Brett Bielma said early on, first day of training camp, Brandon Peters is available. We've asked for Brandon Peters. He has not been made available to us the last couple games. And I wonder if that's due to confidence. Usually you want your six-year senior quarterback to be out there. And with the way Bielma made decisions, the way Tony Peterson made decisions today, feels like they don't trust their quarterback. Um, 
At least that's how I see it. Maybe that's, I think that's fair. You know, I, I always want to be fair on these things, but I think they're making decisions. If you're not willing to give your quarterback the ball on fourth and two to really seal the game or fourth and one to seal a game, that's a problem. And obviously they don't trust Arthur Sikowski any more than him, right? That's a quarterback problem. That no one was going to have to fix in the offseason. But I would have made the change. I, I would have made the change at halftime. And I was a little surprised they didn't, but then they got some confidence with Brandon. Brandon did move the ball in that last drive, but then, of course, you know, four straight incompletions. And Illinois is just not built uh, to, to pass the ball when it has to, when other teams know they have to pass the ball. They got to be a play action team, they got to complete balls that way. And it just, it didn't work. And, and the offense is just a mess. It's just a mess. And I don't know where Brett Bielma and Tony Peterson go from here. Um, do they change a quarterback after this week? It didn't seem like it. He was asked. But I think Doug Bouchon asked Brett Bielma if he ever thought about changing the quarterback. And he said, no, no, never did. Um, so obviously they still think Brandon Peters is their guy moving forward. The backup quarterbacks are always going to be popular. I know some people have asked me about Ryan Johnson or Samari Collier. Listen, they're not going to those guys unless injuries happen. And Samari didn't even wasn't even on the travel roster. So it's Matt Robinson is the fourth stringer, Ryan Johnson the third stringer, and Archer Sikowski the second stringer. So uh, they got to figure this out. They, I think Peterson's got to get more creative. We did see some of that today. I want to give him credit for that. We did see some of that today. We saw Isaiah Williams get a couple carries. Uh, didn't do, didn't work well. Two two yards in those two carries. But hey, I was calling for it. And he got it. He got a shovel pass. Uh, Isaiah Williams did get six touches today. Luke Ford got targeted a few times. Barely saw any Daniel Barker. I might follow up on that on Monday. But didn't barely see any Daniel Barker. Um, I know the weapons are limited. But you do need more from your quarterback, too. And uh, we'll see what Peterson can do, what he can dial up, because it's got to be a little bit more creative. Oh, and I forgot the, uh, the Isaiah Williams pass. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, and even you know some of the, the rollouts to the tight ends that didn't work, I like that. Like, give it, give it an opportunity. I'd like to see Brandon Peters try and tuck and run every once in a while, keep it every once in a while. And I'm one of those – um, you know, zone options or RPOs that they want to do. I'd like to see that, but it's obvious there haven't been huge uh, adjustments on that side of the ball, but even when they do, whether it's get to the tight ends at Maryland, they weren't able to do it. Uh, the, the trick play today, going deep a couple times to do span, I do want to give P- Peterson credit for, for calling some of those up. Uh, just didn't work. One did because you got defensive pass interference, but uh, they are struggling to move the ball and uh, the passing game is, is one of the – it's got to be the worst in Power 5. It, it's got to be. And it is really, really tough to watch. And what is so tough about these last couple weeks as I wrap up here before I get to writing is you had a chance to be 3-2, and two, right? And 2-1, and one, or no, 3-0 and oh in Big Ten play. I had to correct myself there. You were five minutes away from beating Maryland. If your defense gets a stop on the last drive, your offense makes a field goal earlier in the game, right? James McCourt missed that in the first quarter last week. Or you go for it on fourth and one and convert. Illinois beats Maryland, okay? In this alternate, way better universe of Illinois football. You go for it today, or even kick the James McCourt field goal. I'll give you if Purdue goes down and scores, okay? But then you have the same drive of Brandon Peters 
James McCourt kicks a game-winning field goal. I mean, think about that. You'd be 3-2, and 3-0 and in Big Ten play, going into a Charlotte game that, man, it's going to be tough to pick Illinois to win that one. I mean, I feel good about my pick for Illinois to win today. They should have won today. Like, I came in, and everyone's saying, you know, Purdue 11-point favorites. And I'm like, eh, I don't know about that one. And I saw some of the Purdue writers predicting 45-17. I think Tom Deanhart, my guy at Rivals, picked 45-17. I said, I looked at Purdue. David Bell ain't playing. I don't, I don't know about that one. Oh, I had their chances, though. And they have such a slim margin of error. And we've seen that now. Three one-possession losses. A seven-point loss to UTSA that felt like it was more than that. But still, it was a one-possession game. Had a chance to tie the game late in the game. Weren't able to do it. You take that loss. Maryland, you're up seven with five minutes left. Find a way to lose in regulation. And then today, up 9-6, midway through the fourth quarter, have a chance to seal the win. Offense can't make the plays. Defense can't get that one more stop, right? And then your coach makes a decision that he won't say it publicly, but I wonder if he goes back and, and says, yep, I cost my team there. Because you might be able to defend this decision. I'd have to look up the analytics of it all. But he tried to defend the decision, said I'd do it 100 times over. I wonder what he thinks you know, in his own mind. Now, next time do I get more aggressive? Because seeing it two, two times in a row. Said, You're Illinois, you got nothing to lose. Illinois, you got nothing to lose right here. Because everyone's expecting to lose. And then you end up losing anyway. I think people would appreciate just being aggressive. Being like, hey, whatever. You know, bowl game's kind of out. <laughs> We're not talking about that yet. Sidney Brown said, hey, one, one win ignited us that 2019 year. Um, maybe that can happen, but I thought it would have been last week or this week. Uh, I don't think Charlotte's going to do that. And then you get Wisconsin coming in. You still got Iowa on the schedule. You still got Penn State on the schedule. It just gets rougher and rougher until you get, you know, Northwestern and Minnesota. Two games I think you can win, but that's why you're kicking yourself over the last couple weeks. It's because you could have set yourself up to where you're in bowl contention towards the end of the year and you let those opportunities slip away. And for Illinois fans, it's just like, well, here we go again. Uh, new coaching staff feel good. Five games in, you're one and four. And one and two in the Big Ten. And every ranking that comes out, I'm not even going to tweet for 24-7 sports and all the hits because it's Illinois at 14 in the Big Ten. And until they start winning these games, you know, you can take solace in that you had a chance to win these games. In the past, you haven't had a chance to win some of these games, and that's a kudos to Ryan Walters the last couple of weeks and his defensive staff and, and Bielma for doing that. But the offense has to figure this out. And uh, the decision-making by the coaches just, you know, come back and haunt them the last couple of weeks. All right, I talked enough about that. I'm sure you're tired of hearing from me. Uh, but thank you for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. I'm going to go get to work on my takeaways for this game, uh, notebook as well. And uh, I do want to shout out. I, I did shout him out, but uh, Kirby Joseph talked to him after the game. We'll have something on him. We weren't able to talk to Josh McCray, but uh, obviously a great performance by him. And uh, we'll see if uh, what Tony Peterson has to say on Monday and what Brett Bielma has to say on Monday uh, as well. We'll have it all covered at IlliniInquirer.com. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. 
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.